Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. So we continue our series with, that we started last week called Collide. Now, we kick things off by looking into the biblical principles of standing firm in your faith. I, I'm a blind man up here. Give me some more light. Thank you. And the world attempts to offer us a different set of values that includes things that are initially very seductive. And ultimately, they turn out to be very inconsistent, unstable, very much like thin ice. You never know when it's going to break through and you're going to fall to your demise. And ultimately, those values end to complete destruction. So how do we pursue the things of Christ? Well, we allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit into all truth. When we do, we start to experience the abundant life Christ gave and died for us. But how do we keep that experience going on day after day after day, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 80 years? How does it still stay alive? You'll find out when you talk to a couple who's been married 50 years, 70 years. And they'll tell you what? They work at it every single day. One of the... <clears throat> One of the things, there's, actually I believe God desires three things from us as we move forward into life after we lay this foundation. The first one I want us to discuss today is about being transformed. In the Bible, the, the actual Greek word is called metamorphos, where we get the word metamorphosis as in a butterfly goes from the cocoon, the, the caterpillar ultimately to a butterfly. Now, Way back when my, my kids, well, now they're, many of them are adults, or now we're little, they loved this blockbuster movie that came out called Transformers. Spent a lot of money on them toys. And the worst part of those toys was trying to get them to go from a car into this robot monster thing. And, and, and it was, I think the concept was so intriguing that something that looks so ordinary could be rearranged, transformed in a moment's notice into a machine hero that was living and breathing. So it went from being ordinary to extraordinary in a quick transformation. And I believe God wants that to happen for you and for me. That He wants us to realize if we transform, you'll be surprised that there's nothing ordinary about you. That because of Him, you're extraordinary. You'll be able to do extraordinary things. Many of us have been tempted to follow the patterns of a world that opposes the kingdom of God. Then when we fall to temptation, we get caught up with sinful behavior. And, and our choices become really bizarre. 
And then we are left empty, unfulfilled, left with guilt and shame. No matter how many showers you take, it just doesn't seem to go away. Now catch this. The Lord showed me this. Truth means nothing or has no value to those who believe in lies or who live in fear. I'm going to say this again. Truth means nothing or has no value to those who believe in lies or are led by fear. Isn't that true? When your ideology is so strong that even if somebody gives you the truth, you say, I don't want, don't give me the facts. They mess with my reality, my my ideology. See, truth doesn't care. Truth is not racist. Truth has to be truth no matter what. It doesn't care about my background. It doesn't care about my economics or my education. It doesn't care about my age. It doesn't care whether I'm bald or I have hair. Truth has to be truth. But when I believe in lies, you can give me all the truth. doesn't mean I'm going to eat it. doesn't mean I'm going to receive it. So the truth has no value, has no meaning when we choose to believe lies. You see, right now, as we speak, there's an information war going on. And when I mean the, use the word war, I'm actually using it correctly. There's a fight happening where two kingdoms are colliding. One says that the kingdom of man is superior and true. Always, always fighting against the kingdom of God. The other is the kingdom of God. Who is superior and true. The one who, in spite of the opposition of the kingdom of darkness, chooses to lay down his own life, the, the one and only begotten Son, For the ones who disdain Him, that they too may be a part of the family of God. See, love conquers all. For the kingdom of God, it's not a debate. It's just about love. There's so much room at the table. Who else can we invite? Who else can sit at the table. God truly does know best. God knows what is best for you, for those who you care, for those whom you love. He knows what's best for them. Remember, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The kingdom of man is based on selfishness. Deceit and lies. Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Now what logic, what motivation could there possibly be to want to be a part of that world? Knowing that they want to use and abuse 
you. That's pretty seductive. It would have to be. Because logically, nobody would participate. It's the power of a lie. That's why he's called the father of lies. Now turn with me in your notes to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 2. Paul wrote the book of Romans. And and here's what he has to say. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Within this one verse, Paul gives us a mathematical equation of sorts. It, it first it starts off with subtraction, then he gives us addition, then finally an outcome. And we're going to go through, we're going to look and find out what is that subtraction, what is that addition, what's that final outcome. So let's look first at the subtraction. Paul gets direct right off the bat and says you need to not only stop, but you need to choose to stop adding the customs of this world into your life. Subtract out the things of the world from your life. So what patterns, so what customs, what kind of thinking of this world do you sense God is saying to you? It's time for you to subtract that out of you. Don't let that be a part. Do not add the world into your life. Subtract the world out of your life. What's God telling you? Is there something you've been thinking and you know it's not right? Is there a custom? Is there a pattern? Is there a habit? Is there a sin? Is there a secret that you know God says, no more. Get it out. But what should we add into its place? So we got it out. Kind of like a garden. You get the weeds out. But if you don't plant flowers or vegetables, you're not going to have a garden. You're just going to have dirt. You can have the best dirt. But dirt's just dirt without seeds. So let's look at number two, the the addition. This was the second part. We went from subtraction, now we're in addition. Once you and the Holy Spirit, you locate and you subtract those things that God doesn't want in your life. There is now space for God to transform, to do a transformation, that kind of work in you. And what does that look like? So, you know, everybody knows I do not have a green thumb. So here is a dead part of a plant i mean look at that i mean can you not hear that this is dead it's not even fake it's dead this is how i plant and grow things how because this thing first of all needed to be in soil so its roots and its rootlets could go deep into the soil but you know what it really needed after all that God provides a son, but he needed somebody 
to get some H2O and pour it in. I couldn't use Dr. Pepper, can't use sweet tea, and I can't use Red Bull. I have to use that which is pure. That's what it thrives off of. If not, look, it's dead. But some of us, we want to be like this. It looks good. It's fake. That's how I plant. How many Christians live like this? On the outside, we look good. We've got our big Bible. We talk the Christianese talk. I can quote a verse, John 3.16. Look at me. You're fake. Don't live by lies. Don't fake your Christian life. Don't pretend. Because somebody's going to get close to you and they're going to look and go, oh, look at all that dust on there. That's plastic. And they're going to look at me. They're going to look at you. And they're going to say, oh, look, he's plastic. He's fake. We can't be friends with the world, guys. It catches up. We need to plant the real stuff into our soul. We need to water it every single day as we spend time with the Lord, as we contemplate, as we pray, as we do our life journals as we read the Word of God, as we fellowship with one another, as we listen to Christian music, as every part of us is wrapped around and in and through our faith. Not just on Sunday. How many know if you were more of a Christian Monday through Saturday, you would probably be a better Christian than if you just showed up on Sunday? And yet the Word tells us what? Do not forsake the assembly of the saints. In Romans 12, Paul seems to be concerned with with how we think. Did you catch that when when we read that? He says, But let God transform you into a person by changing the way you think. See, I'm not going to change any of this stuff. I'm not going to change that dead plant. I'm not going to change this plastic thing if I don't change the way I think. If I don't embrace Christian disciplines. If I don't think with the mind of Christ. See, the flip side is true of the same patterns. If I water my soul with the Word of God, God's going to do His part with the Son. I don't even have to preach this part. You guys already begin to see. May it just click. If I give my time and my energy and my life to the things of God, all of a sudden something's going to change. But maybe what really needs to change for that to take place is that in the morning, whatever happened, 
habit you have or that routine needs to change. Or at night, something needs to change so that you're able to spend more time with the king. See, when I spend time with the king, I'm able to hear his voice. You ever notice husband or wife? All you need to hear is one word on the phone. I'm not saying look at the phone and get the ID number. Let's go to the old phones. Remember that? And you grab that phone and they just said hello. You knew exactly who it was. How could, off one word, could you know who that was? You go, oh, I know their voice. I know their voice. That's the amount of time you need to spend with God that all he has to say is one word. One word. And it transforms you. And you can go, that's my king. That's my Lord, my Savior. And he calls me friend. The Bible talks about this concept. Go with me to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The psalmist, or we believe it's David, says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. Verse 2. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Wow. You see the difference? we got to feed our soul with the pure Word of God. I mean, King David, is, he's just walking and talking this example of importance of meditating on the Word of God. God desires that we would be near to Him. It says in James, come near to me and I'll draw near to you. It's, it's a promise. It's a guarantee. He's not hiding from you. Paul closes out Romans 12.2 well, we went from the subtraction to the addition. Now he's going to give us an outcome. If you subtract, Marvin, and if you bring in this addition, here's going to be your outcome. All right. So here it is, this ancient writing, I mean, from almost nearly 2,000 years ago by Paul. Who would have ever thought that that ancient writing is so relevant and real for today? God. God. Folks, there are many people here today who have spent time, years, decades, searching for their purpose in life. Searching for their significance. Maybe, maybe you've tried to find, find it in the traditions and the customs of this world. And you figured out that the world comes up short and it doesn't satisfy. Yet we still got to live in this world. Or maybe you've tried to find out, I can find my purpose and significance in a relationship. Relationships are important. We all know that. But in the end, it still comes up short. 
God designed it that way. Wanted those relationships to be important. Wanted them to get you really close. But always coming up short because only He and He alone is, is the one that satisfies. Or maybe it's the idea of saying, hey... If, if I can achieve success in business, if I could have great wealth, or, or if I could have great status on my social media, the most followers. And again, you, you just nothing wrong with bettering yourself. But it still comes up short. Christ is the only one who can give you meaning and purpose in your life. He has called you to do great things for His kingdom here on earth. You have giftings and abilities that no one else has. For the building up of the church, for the building up the body of Christ, for the building up of the family. But I wonder how many of us have yet to sense God's calling. Maybe you're convinced that your position in life that your status in life, and that because of your past and your lowly position, that there's nothing of value that you can contribute. Look how old I am. Really? I've got a lot of old people in the Bible. And look what they did. Look at Abraham. I mean, the list just goes on. Well, child of God, if you think that way, you do not know that your ordinary everyday life is filled with great purpose and significance and you're believing a lie unbeknownst to you. Don't let the enemy of your soul lie to you and rip you off and then miss your opportunity to fulfill your purpose. In Germany, during World War II, there was a Protestant church it was built very, very close to the railroad tracks. These tracks often carried the Jewish... It carried the Jews to the concentration camps where they would find their demise. They would scream and they would holler, help us, save us. And so the solution was decided that during the praise and worship time. When the train would come, or at any time they could hear the train coming, immediately they would get on the instruments and they would begin to sing. And their answer wasn't to sing louder and greater to God Himself. It was to sing so loud that they would not be able to hear the screams of the children and the women and the men on the rails. What can I do? What can I say? God placed you there for a reason that that church would be that close to the rails. That you could go tell the allies the Germans are taking the Jews. But I'll just sing Amazing Grace Louder and louder, so I don't have to hear the opportunity calling feet from the building. Is 
His name is Obadiah. The ladies are studying Elijah, and part of the Elijah story is a guy named Obadiah. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 3 and 4, And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 in this cave and 50 in another cave, and had fed them with bread and water. Folks, it's here in 1 Kings that, that we find one of the most incredible prophets in his story, and yet we don't catch Obadiah. Oh, my goodness. Now, Obadiah is probably not well liked by everybody else of the faith because he works for a rotten king and Jezebel, his wife. He runs the household. How can you work for the enemy's camp? They're not people of God, but God placed him there in a secular place. And he still feared God. And it was specifically because he worked for the king that he had access and that he had influence and that he would have resources to do what God gave him an opportunity to do. Which is not ignore the train in the back in the screams. It was to go get 100 prophets of God, take them into the caves, and then have them fed and save their lives. And yet, he was right there next to King Ahab. Why? Because that was his purpose. That was his calling. And he had no idea that this ordinary job that he thought, I was just glad to get the job. What a privileged job I've got. No. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Did you see that part in verse 3? Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. I don't care where you work. I don't care what's in your life. Do you fear God? Do you fear God? This guy had his priorities straight. And that final outcome was God using Obadiah for the kingdom of God to save the prophets in a mighty way. But for many of us, if we're honest, well, we just have stuff, don't we? We have this ugly monster of a past that haunts us. We've been abandoned. We've been betrayed. We've been lied to. We've been stolen. We've been broken. We've got some really ugly things and skeletons. We don't have closets. We've got garages. And then all of a sudden, we're carrying all this heavy baggage everywhere we go. And we can't find a way to do the things of God for God. The truth is, is we all have stuff. Sometimes as believers, things happen to us and we can't explain why. 
And sometimes we have allowed unhealthy rhythms in our life to happen. And before long, we're so distracted, so distant, that the idea of hearing God and calling on God is a foreign thought. When we're far from God, it's impossible. We're unable to sense God's leading. Again, because we haven't spent time daily with the King. Sometimes we spend time with God daily, and we do it every day. But the truth is, it's plastic. It's fake. You know what I mean? We're just going through the motion. If all you're ever doing is, God, be with my spouse, be with my children, bless these eggs. Thank you, Jesus' name, amen. Good for you. I wouldn't say it was a home run, but you got to first base. You know the difference is? God, what do you want me to hear from you? God, how do I reveal to you what I'm doing wrong? Let me repent. When you get real with God, everything's different. I remember my, my wife and I when we were teenagers and you know, and dating, I could get on one of those crazy phones, you know, and get that 20-foot cord. Everybody had at least a 20, 30-foot cord, right? So you can get in the washroom, shut the door to get some privacy. And I would be on that phone for a half hour, two hours, three hours. What did you guys talk about? I don't know. But I couldn't stop talking. See, that was real. That's spending time with God. Where you're not looking at the time. You're just thrilled. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You see? No, you say amen. No, you say amen. No, you say amen. It's good to be in His presence. It's not good to just be plastic. Sometimes we just need to rewire our life. And the Bible's full of instances where God makes it clear that there is a time to give Him your life. All of it. Even the dying thief on the cross, when he's literally down to minutes, was able to reach out. He said, Lord, will you remember me in paradise? In Joel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now. While there is time, give me your hearts, come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. From the Old Testament, it's telling us to repent. To the New Testament, it's telling us to repent. 
from the preachers and the prophets. They're telling us what? To repent. Get close to God. Why? It's the only way we're going to stand against these two different sides, these two worlds that want to collide. If you're not close to God, you won't have the tools and the knowledge and the understanding and the heart and the courage to stand up when the world wants to take you out. Folks, you're not too far gone. And the one you love, the one you call child, the one you call friend, they're not too far gone. Don't give up. You're not out of the game. They're not out of the game. Christ wants you. Christ wants them. He wants them back. He wants you back. He has a seat for you at the table. I can't wait to get to that banqueting table. I'm just like, you can see everybody. Have you ever been at a family reunion that you wanted to go to? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, there's my cousin. And you couldn't remember anybody's name, but you just call him cousin. And you just hugged on everybody. And your eyes, it would light up. That's family. That's heaven. Everybody's going to be there. Can you imagine seeing relatives you've never met from a century or two centuries ago? And they come right up to you and go, hey, Marv, how are you? Hey, Uncle Joe. Not even know it. Why? Because there's a place at the table for everybody. There's a place for you. There's a place for those you care and love. But what are we doing to make sure that that happens? Let's pray. Father, as we come together, and Lord, there's, there's times when we're honest. We have stuff. We have baggage. Some of it of our own accord, some of it because somebody else added and threw something on us that they shouldn't have. And there's a heaviness. But the good news is you tell us, take my yoke. Oh, child of God, take his yoke. It's easy. Take his burdens for their light. God, I pray with all this collision course of how the enemy of our soul, the, the father of lies, and how this world wants to deceive us through its values and priorities, that if we draw close to you, you will show us what is true. God, help us to pray for those who've been swallowed up by the things of this world, that our prayers would, Father, you would draw them back to the altar. That they'll be at the table. Oh God, without the Holy Spirit, there is no hope. But because of the Holy Spirit, there is great hope. If you're here today and 
and you feel distant from God, and you're saying, it's time. It's time. I don't want to be in this collision course. I want to come back to the Lord. I want to draw closer to Him. I don't want to be like that fake plant, that plastic. I don't want to be all dried up and dead. I want to be filled by the pureness of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you look up? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. Will you praise God? Will you pray this with me, church? Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Give me the mind of Christ. Transform me into a godly Christian. That wherever I am, I will stand up for the cause of Christ. I won't sing louder and ignore the cries of the needy. God, use me in extraordinary ways in my ordinary day. Oh, Jesus, I pray for these folks. I pray you bless them. I pray you fill them. I pray you remove all guilt and all shame. I pray, Father, they would just sense God's presence, the blood of Jesus, cover them. Oh, God, make us all fresh. Make us all new. Oh, God, inspire us to be doers of the Word of God and not just hearers only. Bless your people. Bless your church. In your holy name I pray. Jesus, amen and amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.